TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Pittsburgh has uh, some of the highest rates of asthma and respiratory diseases in the country. A lot of that uh, related to some of the remaining industries that we have here, uh, which have become very controversial. Pittsburgh also has a clean water problem, and our guests this morning are going to talk about both of those issues and what folks can do about them. Uh, Rachel Filippini is the executive director of Group Against Smog and Pollution. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. And Myron Arnowit is on the line with us from Clean Water Action Pennsylvania. Uh, good morning, Myron. Uh, good morning. Uh, let, let's let's first things first. Um, I'll I'll pose this question to Rachel. Uh, we we look around and most of the smokestacks in Pittsburgh are gone. Um, people almost speak nostalgically. Uh, of the days when you had to change your shirt twice a day and the soot you would fall on your clothes and your dining room table and your car. Um, but what I'm hearing from you and from the American Lung Association and, and from other folks is that clean air is still at a premium in the Pittsburgh area. Is that accurate? Um, so, yes, we have made significant progress in the last several decades thanks to the Clean Air Act, but we still have some of the worst air quality in the nation here in the Pittsburgh region, mainly due to high levels of fine particulates, um, as well as um, some hazardous air pollutants such as benzene from industry, and these cause uh, significant health effects to citizens in our region. We are not, uh, people think of smog and pollution, a lot of times they think of cars and trucks and, and diesel buses. Um, we are not one of the more populated regions of the country like Los Angeles or, or New York City or Philadelphia. Uh, so why do we have this air pollution problem? Well, our air pollution problem uh, is somewhat complicated in that it does come from a variety of sources. We have the largest coke-making facility in the United States in Allegheny County, and that contributes a large amount of fine particulates uh, and other pollutants to our region. We also have coal-fired power plants in the region, numerous other industrial sources, as well as uh, a lot of mobile sources, including diesel vehicles, um, off-road construction, locomotives, barges. All of those things add to our pollution in our airshed. Um, we also have a topography that lends itself to inversions, which trap pollutants. Um, for extended periods of time. But I will note that lately there's been a lot of press about uh, it's going to be uh, a poor air quality day due to inversions. Yes. Well, the inversions only uh, exacerbate an existing problem. It's the pollution from mobile and stationary sources that's creating the problem. Uh, Myron Arnowit, uh, you are the PA State Director for Clean Water Action. We have gone from an era, I'm 44 years old, and... You know, when I was a kid, nobody swam in the Yakagani or the Monongahela rivers if they could 
get away with not going into the I mean, if you fell out of a boat, for instance, and you were in a boat in the river, the first thing, you know, the question was, get cleaned up. Um, now we have gone to an era where we have had fishing tournaments and people happily catch fish and do water sports uh, on our, well, four rivers, if you count the Yakagani. Is there still a water pollution problem in this area? And if so, what is it? Well, I, I think we're see we're like with air pollution. <clears throat> you know, we have come a long way from before the Clean Water Act was passed um, in the '70s, and the Safe Drinking Water Act was passed. But uh, in the same way, there are still water pollution problems that are cropping up for our region. I think the development of of um, fracking, uh, oil and gas drilling in the area, the renewal of that has. Um, shown us that there are still dangers that can come from industrial sources. And the problem with lead in our drinking water in Pittsburgh um, also you know, shows us that we need to pay attention to the problems that our drinking water systems have in delivering us safe and clean water. Myron Arnowit is State Director of Clean Water Action in Pennsylvania. Myron, can you give us your website for more information? Oh, sure. Um, we're easy to find. It's uh, just www.cleanwater.org. And is there a telephone number that people can call for more information? Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we, we have an office here in Pittsburgh. We've, we've been here for over 25 years. Um, our office number is 412-765-3053. Uh, I'm going to ask you some more uh, questions uh, about um, that in just a minute. Uh, Rachel uh, Filippini, uh, Executive Director of Group Against Smog and Pollution, can you give us your website and your phone number, please? Sure. We're at, we're at www.gasp, that's G-A-S-P hyphen P-G-H dot org. And our phone number is 412-924-0604. Uh, Myron, I have to mention, I was just on, on your website and um, I was trying to wipe the water droplets off my laptop screen. And I realize they're on the website, so it's very, it's a very nicely done, very cleverly done uh, website. Uh, Rachel Filippini from Group Against Smog and Pollution. There have been a couple of big pollution, air pollution stories uh, in the news lately, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you both. Um, the biggest one affecting the Mon Valley that has become quite a heated uh, story, it's even gone statewide and national, is a fire that happened December 24th at the U.S. Steel Clareton plant, and you alluded to uh, the coke-making plant. What is coke, and, and why does it create air pollution when they make it? Sure. So um, coke is when you take coal and you bake it at very, very high temperatures for a long time, usually anywhere from 17 to 22, 23 hours. You're baking it, baking out a, a lot of the impurities so that you're left with a piece of coke that is essentially um, this carbon. Uh, you take that hot, hot coke and uh, pour water over it through a quench tower, um, and then that is used in the steelmaking industry. It's a fuel. It's they, the, the, they take the, the extras out of the coal, and, and then the coke, I guess, is, is the fuel for the blast furnaces or whatever else they're doing. Correct. Um, all these impurities, now some of them, I know they can capture and they can make other chemicals out of them, but it, it, is it an inherently dirty process? I mean, where where does the air pollution leak out? It, it really is uh, an inherently dirty process. Um, with, with making coke, um, you are um, 
causing a great deal of fine particulates to be generated, sulfur dioxide, um, hazardous air pollutants such as benzene, which is a known carcinogen, um, so and, and numerous other, other things. And unlike a, uh, a coal-fired power plant where you have mainly with one big stack, at a coke plant you have many, many different emission points. You have the the oven doors where there might be leakage. You have different um, flues that may be leaking. You have the um, coke that's going from the oven to the quench tower, and there might be emissions at that point. You have the emissions caused when the quenching activity takes place. So you have a lot of different things going on, a lot of control that needs to happen. And a coke plant is a very kind of hot, caustic uh, environment um, and you need to have regular, very good maintenance to keep all of these things working properly and working efficiently and effectively and with good control. So December, and I should mention, by the way, um, there is more than one, in my lifetime, there have been four uh, Coke plants that I'm aware of in, in the Pittsburgh area, one on Neville Island that has closed, one in Hazelwood that was torn down a, about two decades ago, um, the Clareton plant, and there is an active plant in Manesson as well, correct? Correct, and there's one up in Erie. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's not too too far away. So there's a lot of this stuff coming out into the atmosphere. And, and without oversimplifying, um, they're baking the stuff in the oven, and it's it's much more sophisticated and a lot larger than your home oven. But just like your home oven, some stuff is going to escape around the doors. Yes, that happens. Is there, a, uh, Myron uh, Arnowit from uh, Clean Water Action, is there a water quality issue as well associated with the Coke-making process? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Rachel mentioned about um, the, the quenching that goes on and, um, you know, the use of water in the coke process right there um, causes a significant amount of water pollution because you're mixing the, the coke and the emissions that are coming off the coke with water. So you're, you're ending up with contaminated wastewater. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just one example. But, uh you know, you have a lot of toxic substances in a Coke plant, and, uh, you know, some of that's going to end up in your wastewater. We have to take a break. When we come back, I want to address a little bit more uh, the, the fire that happened in Clareton December 24th, and in particular, the response, uh, both from the public health uh, regulatory agencies and from uh, environmental advocates, okay? And broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, you're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. Support comes from the readers of TubeCityOnline.com and the Tube City Almanac, and we thank them for their support. If you'd like to contribute, please visit our website, call us at 412-614-9659, or email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com. Welcome back. Our guests this morning are Rachel Filippini from Group Against Smog and Pollution and Myron Arnowit from Clean Water Action. And that's what we're talking about is air and water pollution and some of the recent stories in the news in the Monioc area. When we took the break, we were just getting into the uh, Clareton plant uh, situation. December 24th, they had a fire there, which damaged two uh, what are called gas dispatcher stations. They keep referring to them as gas dispatcher stations. And uh, Rachel Filippini, I wonder if you can um, explain to us a little bit about what a gas dispatcher station is. Um, well, I think the main thing to, to know about the particular area that was um, damaged by fire is it 
contained desulfurization um, control units in it. And so that has been the main issue with the fire is that it has damaged that equipment and now the coke oven gas is not going through that usual um, passing through that anymore. So sulfur, so elevated levels of sulfur are are getting into the air then? Well, they, um, it's a little bit complicated. They are taking, they are undergoing several mitigation efforts to try to reduce that. But there have been, as you mentioned earlier, exceedance, uh, exceedances of the SO2 um, standard at the at a couple of different monitors in the region, the Liberty Monitor as well as the Braddock Monitor. And so that is of concern. Um, SO2 or sulfur dioxide is uh, a criteria pollutant that's uh, monitored in our region, and there are standards set at the federal level, and we know that High levels of SO2 are respiratory irritant and can um, lead to other health problems. Um, and, and and how would we know if if we're let me pause for just a second here because um, as we're recording this, I believe there have been nine occasions. Am, am I counting them correctly? In which uh, levels of sulfur dioxide measured either at the Liberty Borough Monitor or in Braddock have exceeded safe levels? Is that correct? I, I, I know that there, is correct. I know there were six, and then I think there were at least two more. Um, th- there has been a lot of criticism of uh, the Allegheny County Health Department and of U.S. Steel, which operates the Clareton plant, uh, uh, about the timeline. I, I believe people were not notified publicly for 16 days uh, that there was a that there was a, a problem. Uh, Rachel, uh, from Gasp's perspective, w- what broke down here in the communications process? Well, that's right. Um, the fire occurred on December 24th. Uh, I think that the health department put out uh, something on Facebook at that time to, to notify people that it had happened, but essentially said they didn't ex- really expect there to be much in the way of um, air pollution problems. And that that was really the last you heard until about January 9th, 16 days later. And so that was definitely very concerning for uh, clean air groups as well as citizens to be just hearing then 16 days later about what had happened and about at that point there had already been six exceedances and now there were warnings telling people to limit outdoor activity. Um, so that was very concerning. I will say that in the last month or so, I think um, communications from the health department have gotten a lot better in terms of daily communications, weekly communications, updating people about what's going on and about, you know, what's happening at the monitors. So uh, there could still be some improvements there, but I, I see improvement in the last month or so with the health department's communications. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, there was a packed uh, public hearing at the Clareton Municipal Building. Uh, there were environmental advocates there, public health experts. U.S. Steel was invited, uh, organized labor. Um Senator Jim Brewster, who was one of the organizers of that hearing, said uh, he, he, he is looking forward to bringing uh, people together at the table. Are you hopeful as well that there's going to be better dialogue back and forth between labor, industry, residents, and, and the public health and environmental community? Well, I do certainly hope that there will be um, better communication. Um, that hearing, I'm, I'm very glad that... Um, Representative Davis and Senator Brewster held the hearing. Um, that's something that I had not uh, seen 
done uh, by our state representatives in the Mon Valley on air quality issues. I've not seen that happen any time in the distant past, so I was glad that that occurred. But um, I think that the, the hearing itself really lacked a community component. Uh, many community members could not even make it into the room. It was packed with um, still workers, so many people weren't even able to hear or see what was going on, and certainly they were not able to meaningfully p participate. Um, there were invited speakers from U.S. Steel and the Health Department and Labor and from environmental and health professionals, including myself, but there was no panel with community representatives. So going forward, I certainly hope that they will um, take a much more proactive approach to hearing from community members. Uh, Rachel Filippini is executive director of the Group Against Smog and Pollution. You can reach them at gasp-pgh.org. You can also call them at 412-6 excuse me, 412-924-0604. Also on the line with us this morning is Myron Arnowit. He's with Clean Water Action. You can find them online at cleanwateraction.org. Click on states and go down to uh, Pennsylvania. You can reach them by phone at 412 412- Seven six five three zero five three. Myron, we've we've kind of left you out here for for a few minutes, but I want to ask you. You've been in this public health field uh, for more than twenty five years as a community organizer. Uh, you've been in, I believe, in the Pittsburgh area or Pennsylvania state director since two thousand seven. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, if, from your perspective, uh, how do uh, residents, ordinary people who are not public health uh, advocates or doctors or organized labor or industry, uh, how do they need to be engaged uh, in the community, uh, draw, drawing on your community organizing experience? Sure. Well, I think one of the most important things happening right now is that um, there needs to be as much information as possible um, in the community about what the health risks are. Um, Dr. Gentile, who testified at the... Uh, uh, the, the hearing in Clareton recently talked about how she was seeing in, in an asthma clinic she runs in Clareton, um, kids were having much worse um, asthma conditions than, than before the fire happened on December 24th. And I think it's really important that folks in the community be aware of um, the health issues, especially if people in your family have respiratory problems like asthma, um, and to be able to, you know, talk to the health department, to be able to talk to um, your healthcare providers about these problems, because I think that's something which, um, you know, sometimes people are having health problems and they don't always aren't informed that there's a huge amount of pollution in the community that could be related to to your condition. Uh, the time goes very quickly. We have another 30-second uh, break uh, coming up. When we come back, I want to ask both of you a little bit about the backgrounds of your group, and I also want to talk about the uh, permitting process that's going on for a chemical facility that's in Jefferson Hills that is not too far away from the Clareton Works, okay? Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Myron Arnowit is State Director of Clean Water Action in uh, Pennsylvania. You can reach them at 412-675-3053 or go to cleanwateraction.org and click on the state's link. Uh, group Against Smog and Pollution, Rachel Filippini is the executive director, and she is also with us on the line right now, gasp-pgh.org, or you can call them at 412-924-0604. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, you're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes here on Radio 81, WEDO. 
1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. Stay tuned. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Welcome back. Our guests for a few more minutes are Rachel Filippini from the group Against Smog and Pollution and Myron Arnowit from Clean Water Action. And that's what we're talking about, our air and water in the Pittsburgh area, specifically in the Monioc area. And uh, some recent stories that have been in the news that have concerned a lot of people. I know they certainly, uh, for us at Tube City Online, they blew up our social media for a few days. Um, Rachel, let me come back to you. Now, there is a chemical plant that is not too far away from uh, the Clareton Works. When I used to live in Monongahela, I used to frequently commute back and forth from McKeesport to Monongahela on Route 837, and I would go past it. I believe it is currently owned by Eastman Chemical, correct? That's correct. And and, and, and what is going on there? They are looking for a, 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 there's a permitting process going on. That's right. Um, they are attempting to get an installation permit. Um, and any time a company tries to get an installation or an operating permit, they um, there's a 30-day period of time that the, the public can uh, weigh in and give comments. Now, that period is expired. It expired last week. But um, what I wanted to let your listeners know about is that we not only submitted testimony but also a petition with over 250 signatures asking the health department to actually deny that permit to Eastman Chemical. And the reason being is that Eastman is a facility that puts out a large amount of um, volatile organic compounds, which can lead to the formation of ground-level ozone in the warmer months. Um, They also put out other pollutants, but they don't have a Title V permit, um, and they they are required to have one. And so for that reason and the fact that they are currently in a consent order with the health department and have been since 2011, we didn't feel it's appropriate for them to be receiving an installation permit that's going to increase their production rate and their allowable emissions of particulate matter um, until they get everything squared away with their consent agreement. They've had it since two, they've been under this agreement since 2011 and they really need to meet the obligations of that agreement before we think they should be allowed to uh, increase um, emission levels. And so that's the, that's the request that we've put into the health department, and we're waiting to hear back. Let, let me play devil's advocate here, because anytime uh, we report on any kind of air quality or water quality issues, uh, there are immediately comments that um, you're anti-industry, you just want to shut down all the industries, you want to chase them, to China or uh, Mexico or somewhere in the Pacific Rim. Uh, th- th- this is a this is a very unfair question, Rachel. But but is is there such a thing as too much regulation? Are we going to shut these industries down? I know the steel workers who who were at that recent hearing are very concerned about their job security. Uh, they're they're saying that three thousand jobs uh, or more depend on on the Clareton plant, for instance. Right. Our, we're, we're not asking, we're not trying to get industry to shut down. We want industry to comply, however, with the laws and the permits they have and the regulations that we have on the books. And unfortunately, uh, in the case of Claritin Coke, um, this is a, a 
industry that has for literally decades um, been violating permits and has been breaking the Clean Air Act and have, uh, for, for, like I said, decades, mm-hmm. been in one way or another in court battles with the health department or the EPA. Um, and so it's long overdue that they get get into compliance. I, I am old enough. Uh, this is not beat up on. This is not the beat up on U.S. Steel Hour. But I am old enough to remember when they were in Newsweek magazine uh, as one. I believe one of the top ten uh, uh, air pollution uh, sources in the country. Um, I don't know if they still hold that uh, distinction, but uh, I, I am old enough to remember that. Myron Arnowit, um, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier in the half hour uh, fracking. Fracking is this process that has become very big uh, in western Pennsylvania and uh, New York, uh, parts of Appalachia, uh, over the past 10 or 15 years or so, where they inject water under high pressure to crack uh, the shale, uh, Marcellus shale, and let gas or oil out. Uh, From your perspective, what are some of the concerns about the water that comes out of the fracking process? What's in that water? Well, there are a lot of toxic chemicals that are used in the fracking process. So when you inject that into a well, it's under a great deal of pressure. And as the gas starts to be produced, you know, this wastewater is going to come out of those wells and companies have to figure out what to do with it. It it not only has the hazardous chemicals, but in the shale itself, it picks up a lot of toxins, heavy metals, um, radioactive components, and a huge amount of salt. The water that comes out is extremely salty, much saltier than seawater. So figuring out what to do with that wastewater is one of the big problems that the, the oil and gas industry has. Um, it's very difficult to treat, um, and there are very few facilities that can really adequately remove those contaminants um, before it can be discharged. We, we have just barely uh, scratched the surface. I know we're coming to the uh, end of the uh, half hour here. Um, Myron Arnowit, I'm, I'm going to start with you. If people are concerned about these issues, we haven't even talked about uh, drinking water, uh, lead levels uh, in drinking water, which a lot of our communities uh, are, are struggling with. Um, but I feel like a lot of these issues, they seem very technical. They seem very intimidating. And if you're not a chemical engineer or a mining engineer, um, I, I think the average person can be intimidated by trying to discuss fracking or, or air pollution. Uh, what are some ways for for people to engage if if they're not scientific or, or professional health advocates, for instance? Right. Well, I I think that it's critical that that people in the community let their elected officials know um, that you know we don't want to live in an environment where um, you know our children are at risk from getting asthma because. Uh, we can't control air pollution in our area or because, um, you know, that there could be developmental problems because there's lead in our drinking water. These are problems that have solutions that we have the technology and ability to do. But if residents don't speak up about it, um, it is much easier for, uh, for our society to just, you know, let companies like U.S. Steel um, do what is easiest for them. So we need to make sure that the interests of the community are balanced with the interests of the company. Uh, Myron, if people want to engage and learn more about your group, uh, what is the best way to reach out to you? Easiest way is to find us um, on the web. Um, we are at www.cleanwater.org. Uh, Rachel, uh, same question to you. If people are, are interested in air pollution uh, and, and the health effects what is the best way uh, for them to engage with GASP? Well, 
Um, also, the best way to, to engage is to go up to our website. We have a lot of great information up there. That's gasp-pgh.org. Um, and we will be um, working with a, a relatively new grassroots organization called Lawrenceville Clean Air Now. We're going to partner with them to uh, have an educational event on March 13th in the evening. Rachel Filippini is executive director of the Group Against Smog and Pollution. All, we've also been talking with Myron Arnowit, Pennsylvania State Director of Pennsylvania or of Clean Water Action. Excuse me, uh, Myron and Rachel. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you. Great. Thank and, you for having us. And I should mention that this is the second time that uh, we've attempted to record this because the computer uh, ate the first time, and uh, Rachel and Myron uh, very graciously agreed to, to come back on and, and talk with our audiences again. So thank you both for that. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation, you've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes here on Radio 81 WEDO. 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.